Hello and welcome to another episode of Second Hand Stories. This is a place where I tell you stories. What kind? Well, histories, mysteries and unbelievable stories. Today's story is pretty much a history and a mystery. It's a story about a murder. But it's also a story about a lot more. It's a story about power, it's a story about obsession. It's a story about our best impulses being trampled and twisted by our worst impulses this is a story that's going to take you to some of the best and most affluent parts of the country and it's also going to take you to some of the darkest parts of the human soul it is a story from old bombay and it's a story of one of its most sensational crimes a crime that would ruin a woman's life but also take the crown from a king this is the story of the bawla murder case and here's how it starts we are now approaching the city of bombay the gateway to india Our story starts on 12th January 1925. In 1925 India is ruled by the British. It's not just India in fact it's the entire Indian subcontinent. They're at their absolute political peak and on 12th January 1925 it's 7:30 p.m. and we're in Malabar Hill. For those of you who are not from Mumbai, Malabar Hill is one of Mumbai's poshest places. It's posh today and it was also posh in 1925. Now it's a wintry night and at 7:30 already darkness is all around us. The sun has well set and in this part of Malabar Hill it's quiet but that is about to change because there are two cars making their way through Malabar Hill. One is a red Maxwell car and it's following a black stood a baker and then this red maxwell car rams into the black stood a baker as soon as this happens the doors of the red maxwell car fling open and five or six men leap out of this car and they start hurling abuses at the people in the black stood a baker now so far it looks like a regular run of the mill road rage incident that is until one man pulls out a pistol now in this black stooda baker there are three people there's a woman called mumtaz begum there is her lover called abdul kadir bawla and there is bawla's secretary a man has pulled out this gun he points it at bawla and fires as this happens the other men rush to this black stooda baker and immediately start attacking mumtaz begum one man attacks her with a knife these men are trying to pull her out of the car it's almost like they're trying to abduct her and it's at this moment that there is a stroke of luck as this horrible incident is taking place there are lots of passerbys and bystanders but no one wants to get involved because this looks dangerous there are men with guns and knives and who would want to risk their life by getting involved in this so while people are waiting no one's really interrupting this 
that is until a third car comes to the spot and stops now in this third car there are four british army officers and the reason that this is a lucky incident is because these four army officers had spent the day playing golf and they were heading to kolaba but had wound up at this spot because they had taken a wrong turn as because of this wrong turn they find themselves at exactly this moment as at exactly this place and seeing this unfolding in front of them they decide that they will get involved and try to put an end to whatever is happening over here so the four british officers leap out and they immediately jump into the fray they start fighting now there is one particular man called lieutenant john segert now this guy is the first into the fight and he is shot at but he doesn't stop another man is a man called lieutenant francis batley he is armed with a golf club and he rushes at the men and he tries to take mumtaz begum to safety as he is doing this the men who have been attacking the black studebaker they are relentless they again try to take mumtaz begum away from the british army officers at this point john segert the man who was shot returns and tries to pull these men off of mumtaz begum for his trouble he is attacked with a knife then he shot at again at this point the other officers immediately pounce on the man with the gun and they are able to subdue him and take the pistol away from him now as this happens the men who had started this trouble realize that things are not going according to plan they realize that these british army officers have arrived at the spot and are ruining whatever their plan was so what they decide to do is that they decide to leave the man who the british officers have caught and they get into their red maxwell car and they tear away from the scene of the crime by this time one couple who had been bystanders have called the cops and the police arrive the police arrive to find that there is this one suspect who's in the custody of the four british officers and there's also a bunch of other crucial evidence they find a pistol a cookery and a jack knife as this violent scene finally comes to an end and silence returns to malabar hill they find out that this violence has had horrible terrible consequence one person has lost their life and that person was abdul kader bavla and so an investigation is launched into this murder into this seemingly random horrific strangely violent murder and when this investigation is launched it's going to take them to strange places it's going to end with a king losing his crown but all of that would be linked to the history of mumtaz begum and this is her story mumtaz begum was born into a family of singers now this is pre independence india and it was still populated with a lot of princely states now all these princely states had their own kings and rulers and they would be patronizing a lot of these singers and other artists and artisans now mumtaz begum's mother her name was wazir begum and she was a very famous singer in her own right now mumtaz begum is sent to hyderabad to learn singing and dancing 
and then at the tender age of 12 she is introduced into the court of the maharaja of indore a man called tukoji rao holkar the third now she enters the court and she's a fabulous singer she's got a beautiful voice and she mesmerizes everybody okay and she is inducted into the court now initially she is only a singer but as time passes she grows up and she blooms into this beautiful woman and she catches the eye of the king she would eventually become a courtesan of the king or a mistress and his affection led her to get her own zehnana in the palace grounds it was a a bungalow where she could stay with her family and this bungalow was staffed completely with servants and she was staying over there now the thing is that the king's affection came at a cost and the cost was this she completely lost her freedom no matter what she did no matter where she went she always had the eyes of the royal guards on her it was a very oppressive way to live she had no agency or freedom of her own and things were fine initially while the king was still passionate about her but 3 years later the passion of the king starts cooling he stops feeling as strongly for her as he did in the beginning now this is bad news for mumtaz begum because now the king has started treating her worse and worse and while he's treating her worse he's still not letting her go so while his affection is cooling his possessiveness remains at an all time high in fact later she would talk about the fact that she thought many times of escaping this place of leaving the court behind but she didn't do it because she always feared for her life and these fears were not without reason now here's what happens in 1922 finally she would make up her mind she would decide that she has to get out but this decision would come at the cost of her heart breaking completely because here's what happens in 1922 in 1922 she finds herself pregnant with the child of the king she goes into the hospital to deliver this child and she gives birth to a daughter but the nurses whisk this child away and then they come back and they tell her that her child is no more because she had given birth to a stillborn now though the nurses are saying this and the official records will justify this deep in her heart mumtaz begum feels otherwise she feels that she had given birth to a perfectly healthy child a child that had been murdered it's a tragedy that would completely transform her and it would leave her scarred and yet it would take her 2 years before she would finally get out of this court 2 years after this incident in 1924 it's been many years of her asking the king to leave to get her freedom and the king would always refuse but in 1924 oddly enough finally he agrees he says if you want to go leave the catch was this this was a verbal agreement he doesn't put it down on paper there is no official decree and because of that the minions of the court refuse to let mumtaz begum leave they tell her that if she goes 
she will have to face dire consequences but by 1924 she and her family have had enough they flee from the court and they make their way to amritsar where they're from but it would not be easy to escape this court and to leave everything behind because very soon the family are tracked down to amritsar they are tracked down by a man called shri ram shambhu dayal he is the head servant of the king and he finds the family and he threatens them he says come back to indore or else it's a scary and real threat and the family panic and they get two gurkha bodyguards to protect them they also write to the deputy commissioner of amritsar to write this letter asking for protection but apparently the letter never gets to the deputy commissioner now it's at this point in time that uh, the family get one other piece of luck in amritsar they become acquainted with a man called bihari lal bihari lal is a delhi based shawl merchant okay and he gets to know the family becomes acquainted and eventually the closeness between the family and bihari lal grow it grows to the point where they are comfortable sharing their troubles with him they trust him enough to tell him what their back story is and who they're running from bihari lal is sympathetic he's concerned he's extremely scared for the family he tells them that if they've tracked you down to amritsar you are not safe here you need to leave the city he offers them some help he says that i have a brother in bombay he's a barrister and why don't you do one thing why don't you head to bombay you can live with my brother and what's more my brother being a barrister can file a case against this king and put a stop to this hounding that he's doing now it seems like a reasonable plan and it seems like a a plan that would be probably safer than living in amritsar and so the family take up this offer in addition to all of this bihari lal has also offered his servant ram lal to accompany the family so the family make their way along with ram lal and they reach mumbai then bombay and at the station they are met by bihari lal's brother this is not the barrister this is another brother called bulakidas okay and and this you know this is 1925 so people used to have like one full football team of brothers so one of the brothers is bulakidas and he takes them to a bungalow in varsova andheri he puts them up there but it is at this bungalow that the family start feeling a little weirded out because this bungalow is in an extremely isolated and lonely spot they also can't shake off this feeling that they're being very closely observed like this whole thing is a trap now feeling this they immediately decide that they don't want to stay in this bungalow anymore and they try to find different accommodation in mumbai now when they tell bulaki das about this he turns defensive he says there's no reason to be worried why would you want to leave they say that look we appreciate your offer but we would still want to find our own accommodation so he says okay fine do that but why don't you take ramlal with you and the family agree to this condition 
they eventually move to a place called madanpura in bombay and ramlal goes with them they're staying in a place called hakim building now one day bulakidas appears at hakim building and he convinces the family to let him stay the night the next morning however mumtaz begum's stepfather calls the police and he calls the police because he alleges that bulakidas and ramlal were about to steal his documents and his money now the cops get involved and the cops interrogate the two of them and that's when ramlal makes a chilling confession ramlal reveals that he is working for shri ram shambhu dayal and it's not just him working for shri ram shambhu dayal it's also bihari lal and bulakidas in fact bihari lal was not a shawl merchant from delhi at all in fact he was the head accountant of the king of indore that's how deep this plot goes now what he says next is even worse he says that they were tasked to do this they were tasked to bring mumtaz begum back to indore and if she refused then they were to slice off her nose and kill the family he also reveals that the family was compromised there was an aunt called nathu bai who had been bribed and she was giving information about the family to the conspirators now shri ram shambhu dayal is caught by the cops and he is interrogated and he eventually reveals that all of this was done on the instruction of the king of indore maharaja tukoji rao holkar the 3 but whenever there is a rich and powerful and prominent person involved in any kind of criminal activity of course nothing really happens and so do in this case no action is taken nothing changes nothing happens and this would lead to dire consequences it was at this moment when the family have realized that they've been tracked down where they've been infiltrated where they've been betrayed and where even their own family members are involved in this betrayal they are paranoid they are scared and they want to leave mumbai immediately and so the family do leave they head back to amritsar but while the rest of the family goes back to amritsar there is one person who stays back and that person is mumtaz begum herself she remains in mumbai because she is in love through a cousin she has met a man called abdul kadir bawla abdul kadir bawla was a rich wealthy city businessman who also happened to work for the bombay municipal corporation and when they meet they instantly are attracted to each other they have a whirlwind romance he much like the king is completely besotted with her He's just smitten right he gives her jewelry and gifts he gives her 1000 rupees as a monthly stipend that she can spend on whatever she pleases he even gives her a house to stay in right they constantly take trips outside mumbai it's a very passionate very intense very happy love affair they're very happy together in fact things were going so well that she had become pregnant again after the horrors that had happened in indore here she was happy and pregnant again with the child of abdul kadir bawla which is what makes what happens next even more bitter had the police done their job had something been done when they had the opportunity 
the events of 12th January 1925 would not have happened. But they did. The police investigate the case and they go all over the country. They are investigating in Mumbai, they are investigating in Indore, in Amritsar and even in Hyderabad. And from all these places, they eventually catch nine men. Now, the thing that linked all these nine men together was this. All of them had some connection to the Maharaja Tukoji Rao Holkar III. In addition to that, a lot of these people were high-ranking officials from Indore State Forces and Indore's police. So, when the trial happens, it's one of the most sensational trials of its time. It's this potent mix of power and love and celebrity that comes together to make it an irresistible media sensation. To give you an idea of what it would be like, imagine today if there was a high-ranking politician who had used state resources to take vengeance on a mistress because he was jealous. Can you imagine the prime time chaos it would cause? We would hear no end of it across social media, across our media landscape. So it was kind of similar of its time. This case was not only being talked about, reported and, and written about in India, but it was also obsessed over across the globe. It is in this situation that the trial unfolds. And one of the most um, high-ranking officials who were implicated in this case was a man called Anandrao Fanse. Now, he was the adjutant general of the Indore State Forces. And because he was such a high-ranking official, caught in such a high-ranking case, he was being defended by one of the most high-profile lawyers of the time. This man's name was Muhammad Ali Jinnah. The same Muhammad Ali Jinnah who would go on to found the country of Pakistan. At the time, he was a celebrated lawyer and in his hands was one of his toughest cases. Now, as this trial unfolds, you find out just how murky this plot is and how deep it goes. These details are revealed, such as that the fact that this plot was hatched six months before it was executed. The red Maxwell car that had been used had been purchased in October of 1924. What's more, an uncle of Mumtaz Begum, a man called Allah Baksh, he testifies and he says that he, much like Natubai, was approached by these conspirators. And when he was approached, he had found out some information. He had found out that they had bribed the watchman who worked for Abdul Qadir Bawla. And he had been bribed to keep the back door open because they were about to assassinate him in his own house. Allah Baksh, thankfully, had not taken the money and had instead revealed this plot to the Bawlas. And the watchman had been fired and they had escaped death, but they had no idea how relentless and vicious these men were about to be. Mumtaz Begum herself would take the stand. She spoke in Urdu and she was calm and poised and she was able to hold her own against some of the most hardened criminal lawyers of the age. She was cross-examined but she was able to testify with grace. In fact, the story she told was more evident on the scars on her forehead caused 
by the man who had attacked her with the knife in the end the evidence was just overwhelming there was too much physical evidence there were too many eyewitnesses and the case was pretty pretty solid in the end the jury only took a little more than an hour to come to a verdict and the verdict they came to was this out of the nine men on trial seven were found guilty of the seven three were sentenced to be hanged now mohammad ali jinnah was a very expensive lawyer and he earned his fees by doing only one simple thing he couldn't prevent anandrao fanse from being found guilty but he was able through argumentation to prevent him from the death sentence the aftermath of the crime was this though the maharaja of indore tukoji rao holkar the third wasn't directly implicated in this case though he wasn't directly responsible or found responsible his reputation took a battering the media had reported on this case extensively and there was one thing that people could not fully understand even when the case was over and that thing was the motive what was the reason that all of this had begun the only thing that was left was conjecture and the conjecture painted a horrible portrait of this king what the motive was speculated to be was this that here was a king who had a mistress who had initially been obsessed with her but then had started treating her worse and worse when she sought her freedom he had been incensed he was vengeful he was petty and more than anything else he was vicious when the stories came out about how the men were instructed to slice off the woman's nose it reflected extremely poorly on the character and the reputation of the king now the british found that this case was too big to ignore there was no way that they could just sweep this under the rug and so they went to the king of indore and they gave him two options either he could stand trial with a jury of his peers or he could abdicate the throne and given these two options Tukoji Rao Holkar the 3rd decided to let go of the throne and so he passes the kingdom of indore to his only son yashwant rao holkar the 2nd now mumtaz begum she wins this case and she does give birth to the child that she had conceived with abdul qadir pavla little while after that she would find happiness and love again she falls in love with this man and marries him but like much of mumtaz begum's life happiness doesn't last too long very soon after that she is divorced and after this point she recedes from history she vanishes from the pages we don't know what happened to her after this point what we can hope is that she found happiness and luck and some optimism that was way better than all that had come before it and especially better than the events that had taken place on 12th January 1925 So that's the story for this week. If you liked it then please leave a like and a comment. If there are other stories you'd like me to cover, also leave them in the comment section below.
As usual, every single episode of Second Hand Stories is shot in front of a live audience. If you would like to be a part of these sessions, all you have to do is become a member of this channel. In addition, I just like to ask you to do one last thing. YouTube is a very large place and there's a lot of content and it's very easy to get lost within this. So if you like these stories and you would like to be updated, please consider hitting the bell icon. It really helps. That's it from this story. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.